you're listening to another episode of The Business Show, brought to you by Kate Baines of The Business Pod and Mike Noonan of Red Curve Innovation. This podcast is dedicated to giving business owners practical advice to help them get the business that they want. And in each episode, Kate and Mike will discuss a key topic important in running a successful business. And so now over to your presenters, Kate and Mike. Hi there, and welcome to episode three of The Business Show with me, Kate Baines from The Business Pod. And me, Mike Newnham from Red Curve. And today we're going to be talking about marketing. And what we thought we'd do today is because marketing is such a big topic for us to cover, we thought we'd go over the basics of marketing and then talk about some of the things that we've used in our business. But first of all, what is marketing? So a definition of marketing is marketing is the action or business of promoting and selling products or services, which also includes market research and advertising. But ultimately, marketing and sales, although often spoke together, are very different in nature. And I see that there's a clear split between the two. So marketing is all about the activities associated with reaching your potential customers with the aim of persuading them to buy from you. And then sales is all about the closing of the sale and getting the sale signed and sealed, turning the order into cash. And often in business, what you'll end up is developing a marketing strategy and a sales process. Ultimately, though, marketing starts with market research. So knowing who your ideal customer is and your target market. And the starting point for any new business or new product is actually doing research into your area. So you need to make sure that your new product or service is a viable option for your business. And once you know that there's a market there for what you're doing, you can then go on and create your marketing strategy and do the implementation of your marketing campaigns. And the other thing you need to remember is your mission, vision, values and culture as your marketing campaigns need to be true to your values. They need to tell your story to entice the customers to buy from you. And if you haven't already listened to episode two of the show's podcast on branding, it'd be really useful for you to listen to it, as creating branding is very closely tied with your general marketing. In episode one, we talked about mission, vision, values and culture, which is a fantastic place for you to start when it comes to putting your marketing campaigns together. So Mike, could you tell us a little bit about marketing strategy? Yeah, sure, Kate. So, I mean, just, just to reiterate the point that you were making about values, as an, an illustration of that, is if you take uh, Nike that we talked about in the last podcast, essentially their product is a commodity. They sell the training shoes largely, or they, that's where they started off. But in terms of their values, they honour athleticism, uh, they honour effort, and all of, their, all of their marketing, really, that's the message that you get. Really nothing about how how well the shoes perform or anything else performs. It's, it's really about uh, the value behind the company. And similarly, Apple, their value is around changing the world. And all of their you know, promotion and marketing is about that. It's about having a better world by using Apple products. So in terms of marketing strategy, you can, um, to develop a marketing strategy, you can use a thing called the seven Ps. You probably, most of us are familiar with the four Ps. Of, of marketing. I remember that from university doing my degree in retail management. Was it product, price, promotion, place? Product, price, promotion, place. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that was developed at a time when really most people were offering products. So essentially you know, the, the world was a product-based world and um, now very much we're a service-based uh, based world. And so the three additional P's were added to those four P's, which is... Um, um, Physical evidence, P 
people and process. So you then have seven P's and some people put in an eight P, which is partners. You can develop your marketing strategy by thinking of each of those P's individually and seeing what you can do to, you know, to, um, to build a marketing strategy. So, so product and services, the question you would ask is how can you develop your products and services? What new products could you have? getting the right product or service for your target market isn't it it is absolutely yeah so so which takes us back to mission vision values and culture and also back to your brand essence and you know and who uh, I think we talked about who you who who would you click with that's in essentially your ideal target so you know all aspects that, that go into developing new products you think about what quality you want to pitch it at are you is it budget is it premium image Think about the branding. What features does your, your, your product have? What benefits it, uh, does it offer? Offer are there different variants of uh, of the product? You know, does the product have a kind of you know a development history going forward? Uh, you know, like the iPhone 4, 4S, 5, 5S, all this kind of thing. What the customer service is going to be? Uh, a whole range of things to, that, that you've got to think about your, your, uh, the product itself. And then the price, essentially, you know, you, again, you've got to think about your target market. What price are they prepared to pay? Will they pay more for more features? And again, um, that also links to the branding. I think one of yep. the points I made was that actually if you create a premium brand, you can create, a, you can charge a premium price. Yeah. Yeah. And do you have a, um, do you have a banded price? You know, budget, intermediate, top level, so you... You go into Starbucks and there's always three sizes of coffee that you can buy. And a bit like if you're offering services, you the sort of the traditional bronze, silver, gold. Bronze, silver, that again gold. would all be at your different price points. So that's yeah. a big consideration to think about. Yeah, and even think about your payment methods as well. So how are people going to pay for the for the service? You want to make it as easy easy as possible yeah. online with one click or whatever. Yeah. We had a conversation recently with a client about PayPal because you can use Stripe now for some of the payment processing side of your e-commerce website. And it is slightly cheaper for the retailer, but I think there's a real confidence there in having a PayPal button, and it's nice and easy for people to pay by PayPal because they only need to know their email address. Yeah. They don't need to go and get the card out the person, put in all the details and yeah. things like that. So it makes it very easy for the customer to transact with you yeah. if you've got a PayPal button. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you know, m making it easy—that's what it's all about, isn't it? One, one click. There's, I mean, there's, there's lots of uh, strategies now that, that small businesses could employ to make payment uh, easier, but, uh, but it's, uh, it's such an important part of getting people to buy. So the third element is really thinking about how you're going to promote your new product or service. Again, part of our topic on branding, so how are you going to communicate? What channels are you going to be using to communicate online, face-to-face, -face and so on? Are you going to use personal promotion? You might want to pay for sales agents to, pr to promote your pro product rather than employ your own people. You might hire a PR firm, direct marketing, you know, send out letters, email campaigns. All of these things need to be you know, considered as you develop in a marketing strategy. How are you going to reach people and, and then reach them more than once? Keep, keep sending the message. And again, um, on the promotion side, as we lean to on the, the branding side of it, it was being consistent in what you're doing in yeah. the, throughout all promotions. Yeah, yeah. So place really is about where where you're going to be promoting your, your, your product. So do you go to trade shows? Is that something that, that, that's uh, worth considering? 
you know again is it online campaigns are you going to use distributors and I think nowadays there are so many options that any small business can use from whether it's products or services to get them out there with the age of information technology we've been able to create courses online to impart your knowledge or even if you've got the physical products you can become an affiliate seller on Amazon yep. or what I've noticed there's quite a lot more craft fairs and markets and things around that people can get their products into to almost test it and that was the one thing that I advise in one of my courses is that if you've got an idea for a business it would be really good to test it with the market first yes. and again I think I mentioned market research in the in the branding podcast yeah. but even just taking a market store at a local market you know a local fair of some sort and see if you can sell your product yeah or even just ask customers what or potential customers what they think would be really, really good research. And before you even set your e-commerce website up or anything like that, you know, do a mini test, you know, put yourself in business for one day, <laughs> yeah. put yourself on the apprentice for one day and see what you can achieve, that yeah. sort of thing, to actually test your product and check that the place would be right, you know, the promotion's right, that it's at the price, right price point, and ultimately that it's a product or service that would work for you. I think that's so, really yeah. such good advice. I don't know whether you've had this experience, but quite often I have experience of if you go into a town and you're walking around and then a new shop pops up and you just know it's it's not going to survive because it's in the wrong location because the offering is not quite right and then and then 12 months later when the lease is up it's gone so trying to uh, do some market testing i think is and such a valuable on thing. that point you will find quite often in especially in the smaller town centers rather than out of town centers quite often you will find that you might be able to just rent. I think it's called pop-up shops, just yeah. like there's sometimes pop-up restaurants where you can act. I think the Boring, though, I know that's a shopping centre, but the Boring did it as a enterprise to help new business owners trial their products. And they were able to use a shop in the Boring for a day or a week. I can't remember what it was. It was a couple of years ago now. It'd be absolutely key because you're testing the product before you've gone too far down the line and invested X amount of money in something that might not work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, I know Samsung, they do that virtually. So they they develop a lot of products and they create websites and, and virtual products that don't yet exist to gauge the level of Market interest and, and, yeah, and, and the level of engagement. So you that way you can test out a whole range of new products very, very quickly without having anything physical. Yeah. Uh, and another ground. thing that you could do now with Facebook, I don't know if you have to be a Facebook page, but you can do polls so that you can, on Facebook, so you could test the waters. So if you've got, for example, you were trying to test a new name for a new business or a new product or even details about a product, you could create a little survey and get people to answer to Is it on right? Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think you might only be able to do it in a group, but that's, again, I think communication in general nowadays and social media makes it a lot easier for us to do our market research. Because mm. I remember when I was at university, the research that we had to do it was all through Mintel reports. It was oh, only yes, just when right. the internet yeah, was um, yeah. coming in, really. Yeah, it's um, yeah. amazing how in, what, I could say yeah. 10 years, it might be nearer 20 years since I started university, actually, but how things change. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's true. And yeah, I mean, on Facebook, it's such an incredible thing now, isn't it? That, you know, it's sort of all of your marketing really can be done on Facebook, particularly if you're B2C, you know, business to consumer. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to keep up with all, with all the, the facilities that there are now online. You really, so for very little cost and very, very quickly, you can get information that would have taken months months and months not very long ago right so the last three p's just to quickly go through them then is people so that's really essentially the people that are that are on the team so thinking about you know what 
people need to be involved in the marketing program? Do you need new types of people if, you, if you're developing a new product with new skills? How are you going to go about recruiting these people? Kind of culture, have you, have you got, you know, that, that will attract certain types of people? Training skills and so on. Yeah, how are you going to pay them? Is, is it going to be on bonuses or is it, you know, not all this kind of thing? So you need to be thinking about the skills gap who you've got and is there anybody else that you need because ultimately it's your team and your people that are going to support you on your mission to fulfill what you're offering to the customer yeah and again going back to previous episodes on branding it's it's the people that you've got that who will essentially consciously or unconsciously be communicating your brand okay so processes so you need to be thinking about um, the systems and processes that you've got in place are they adequate do you need new ones are you going to, what's your customer focus going to be like? How much IT do you need? Do you need any new IT systems? We talked about making payments easier. What about, uh, do you need to do any research and development? Have you got people within the organization or people you can reach out to that are good at that kind of thing? Design features, all this kind of stuff. And then the last one is physical evidence. Physical evidence, again, is the essence of your brand. It's, it's, it's your branding. It's, it's what people see. The building that you operate from, the shop front that you've got, what do your staff look like, what do they wear, do they wear uniforms, how well trained are they, if somebody hears about you and goes to your website, what will they find, you know, is it a great website, how do you basically develop trust and reassurance in the, in the people that might want to buy from you. Uh, such an important thing now, the, phys- the physical evidence of, of your brand. And that almost links to the social proof, which again with social media and things like Instagram and all of us carry a camera around in our pocket nowadays don't we on our phone for taking photos of things that we see whether it be products or things like that that can easily be uploaded yeah absolutely yeah 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 so and and, you know and everybody wants to be doing that now you know they all want to communicate so just to recap on that the seven main P's we've got your product or service yeah so it's all about getting the right product or service at the right price in the right place with the right promotion we then need the right people in our team and we need to create the right physical evidence and we need the right processes and systems to underpin what we're doing and I was just thinking whether I can relate this to what I did when I set up my accountancy practice Mm -hmm. and I think I probably can because I knew what products and services that I wanted to offer being an accountant it's quite simple we're keeping you compliant with HMRC so bookkeeping VAT year-end accounts tax etc etc And I knew there was a market there. I did my research on the market. Most of it was done online. And again, with the internet, it was easy to do the market research to know who my competitors were. I also was able to research the price because I'd worked in accountancy firms before. I kind of knew ballpark what the mean average was for the pricing of the services. But again, part of it is trial and error of, Mm. you know, testing the market. And especially on the bookkeeping, you don't want to go in too high an hourly rate. And we also sort of looked at doing fixed fees for some of the services as well. So I definitely think we got the right price. And then we've got the promotion. So I knew that initially my promotion was going to be with my website and face-to-face networking, which I'll talk about more shortly when it came to people and team I knew initially it was just going to be myself but I knew within 12 months I would need somebody because of the volume of the work coming in so I've had that in my plan from day one physical evidence I would suggest is possibly harder to quantify in my business because potential new customers don't see the work that I've done from existing customers but use of referrals and testimonials 
is where I would say my sort of the physical evidence came into the business. I would say, well, in, in a lot of service businesses like, like your business, then the physical evidence is you, you know. So, uh, you know, how, the, how you present to other people is, uh, is you know, people get a, a first impression which sticks just from, from the you. And you. I think from an accountancy point of view, people do tend to go with an accountant that they get on with or like or have got a sort of good first impression of exactly. and can see that they're approachable because unfortunately in our profession I don't mean this disrespectfully to anybody I know but there are a lot of accountants out there that aren't particularly approachable and that's the one thing that's come across with my clients I've had so many comments about oh I can ask you anything you know you're so approachable yeah because quite often I do get asked about other business things it isn't just about the numbers yeah yeah and then the processes and systems, that re was really important for us. So I knew what software that I was going to use to start out with because it was the same software that I'd used in the practice I was working in. But again, things evolve. So I've come across new softwares over the last four and a half years that A, are cheaper, B, work better. They give me better reporting. For example, Zero is the biggest one that I can suggest yeah. from a bookkeeping point of view to help clients be put in control of their business because they're dealing with the numbers themselves. But then as an accountant, almost the bookkeeping in effect is done for us when it comes to us at year end. So ultimately we become more auditors checking the figures rather than doing the processing. And with making tax digital, that's a really key factor as we go on. But you know, in the four and a half years that I've been in business, I would suggest my seven Ps in effect have all changed slightly. It's something you need to review on an ongoing basis. Yep. So the products and services, like for example, we don't do bookkeeping only anymore. And that's come out of various things that have happened over the years. And so my product range is slightly different. Our prices are now probably slightly higher, and that's probably to do with me having more confidence in what we're doing mm -hmm. and taking that leap of faith going out to work on your own. Promotions is something that will always change. You know, with the use of social media and Facebook ads, even Facebook adverts are more prevalent now than they were four and a half years ago, mm -hmm. uh, like Google AdWords. I did do a bit of Google AdWords when we started out. I'd say it was 50-50 on how successful that was. And the place I started out at my dining room table and we went out to clients a lot of the time and after 12 months we got an office in which innovation center that gave us a better base since we got the base at the innovation center we've definitely got more business and i think it's because clients can see we have that physical presence yep. and there's somewhere that they can come to yeah i mean unconsciously it says solid doesn't it the fact that you you're, you're from an office it says permanent that yep. kind of thing yeah yeah so again it's almost that subliminal absolutely message isn't it yeah, yeah yeah absolutely so the other thing that I just wanted to go through with you today was what I did in my business to start out when it came to the marketing point of view so I've just gone over the seven P's and I did put a business plan together and everything that Mike covered was included in my business plan but when it actually came to implementing it there were three key things that I did the first was my website the second was going on free directories online directories and the third was face-to-face -face networking the website I would suggest is an absolute must nowadays because this is really the equivalent of what you used to be your printed brochure and quite often can be the first image to a potential customer you know most people nowadays will go online to, to check you out before they come and pick up the phone to ring you nowadays so yeah. you're even if it's a one page with just contact details it needs to give the right impression be clear and concise and if you've got a creative street you can do your website yourself using something like Weebly or Wix but if you don't have a creative street, what I would suggest is that you do get a designer to create your website because you want something that really is spot on. It needs to meet your mission, vision, values and 
the culture that you're trying to create. So that first impression, you never get a second chance to make a first impression. And often your website is that first impression. And the other thing with using a web designer, quite often they will also help you with SEO, which is search engine optimization. And that will help get you up the Google rankings. Because apparently Google change their algorithm frequently. Staying at the top of Google rankings can be really hard work as you need the keywords in the right place to get it up the rankings to where you need to be. So if you aren't appearing on the first page of Google, then I really would suggest that you find a subcontractor to subcontract this job out to an expert. Where's the best place to keep a secret? Page two of Google. <laughs> That's very good. I mean, how many people do click on page two? Yeah, I can't Not remember the last many. time I clicked on page two. No. So the second thing that I did was I submitted my business to the free online search directories. So free index, Yale.com and Thompson directory. And I've only ever taken the free listings and they've worked. I got one of my biggest clients from a listing on the Thompson directory. And I think a lot of people rule these out, but ultimately they can help you in the search engines. So if you Google Beacon Accountancy and Tax, you'll you'll probably see the free index listing and also the Yale.com listing and Thompson's all on yeah, that first page. Definitely. Yeah, and do. it was free. Now yeah. Yale, they want you to take a bigger package or get your website from them. Yeah. But a free listing has done me well, to be quite frank. Yeah. It's really worthwhile doing. Well, I think that, that implicitly says something else when you talk about free listings is is you should be measuring how effective your uh, your campaigns are in terms of the return on the investment. So. So if they're free, it's very easy to measure, you know, <laughs> whether you get a return or not. Yeah. But when you're spending money, for example, in one of the Yale's bigger, bigger packages, you really need to be understanding how much you're spending and uh, how, how, whether that's coming back in terms of your new business. Yeah. So and one of my ma mantras with marketing is what you measure, you can manage. Yes. And with marketing, especially spending on marketing, you need to measure everything you do. For sure, yeah, absolutely. And I would even say down to time because some marketing activities you do do take time and you ought to put sort of, you know, make a note of how many hours you've mm. spent on things in comparison to how much it has given you a return. Yep, absolutely. And then the third thing that I did was face-to-face -face networking. So during the first 12 months setting up Beacon, I went to every networking event that was going. And when I first started, it was very much about where they didn't have a membership fee that had to be paid. I did join the Chamber of Commerce and I did get a couple of clients from there. So that, in effect, paid for itself. Mm -hmm. But whether I got too complacent or not about the Chamber bit, I'm not sure because I, only, I got a sort of couple of clients early on and then nothing. But I was measuring the return on the investment. So once mm -hmm. I saw that I'd only got a couple of new clients early on, I didn't actually renew my membership because it wasn't working for me anymore. So I think possibly I got a bit lucky, <laughs> lucky getting those two clients, if I'm honest. But what I found was that when I went to networking events, although I didn't always directly get new clients from the networking events, words seemed to get round. And the more networking I did, the more times the phone ring, the more inquiries I got, the more website hits I got. Because remember, you never know where a conversation will go. And it's not necessarily the person that you're talking to that comes on board. It's the person that they then talk to. And they say, oh, I know an accountant. You know, yeah. go and speak to Kate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the yeah. other thing is, at networking, always make sure you make a great first impression because they might not have seen your website. Be prepared, make sure you've got business cards or flyers and make sure you can stand out. For example, I've got a bright pink hoodie for the business pod. When I first started, I did have a bright pink one for Beacon as well. And about two weeks ago, I went to a networking event and I kind of knew it was going to be a, a suit event, if I'm honest, because of the people that were hosting it. 
but it was like going to a funeral from a clothing point of view because every person was in a black suit, a grey suit or a navy suit. Yeah. It was just a sea of dark colours and there I am in a bright pink hoodie. But it made me stand out. So I met up with a business contact or a contact from networking that I hadn't seen for a couple of years and he's potentially going to come on as a new client. Fantastic. And so me being in this bright pink hoodie, yeah. I probably wouldn't wear a bright pink hoodie now from the accountancy practice point of view because I don't think it's quite professional enough for the image that I'm portraying, mm -hmm. but from the business pod point of view, where we're quite a, I would say, a young, dynamic team offering business growth advice to startups, I think it actually it makes you approachable. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And in yeah. fairness, even when I had the pink hoodie when I first started out for Beacon, people liked that because I, mean, I was approachable. Yeah, I wasn't absolutely. the grey suit accountant. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but looking at going back to episode one now of our mission, vision, values and culture, that isn't quite the image that I want to portray in Beacon anymore. And I think because we're not doing bookkeeping only jobs anymore and we are looking at the accounts and tax, it's slightly higher level services that is now my focus on what I'm offering. And therefore, if I'm in, if I'm there advertising Beacon, I will tend to be in a suit now. But I'm never in a grey suit. It's either a pinstripe or I've got a bright sparkly top. So again, I yep. still don't look like your traditional accountant. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that makes you memorable. You know, if you can dress slightly different in some way with a bright top or... I've even seen um, some gentlemen at networking have a, a cowboy hat type thing. Or, yep. well, I think the guy's name is Todd and it's Spaghetti Agency. And he wears cowboy boots and a cowboy hat. Well, you're going to remember him. Right. You know, I've remembered him. I've never done work with him. I don't think I've even had a conversation with him, but I remember him because of that. Yeah. And but it's is it anything to do with uh, cowboys? His, his no, service? it's a marketing, but his branding is all around cowboys and that he might look like a cowboy, but he isn't when he... He, he knows what he's doing, I think, is his tagline, something like right. that. So he might look yeah. like a cowboy, um, but he isn't. So I'll have to look yeah. up that tagline. Yeah. But so again, it makes him stick out. Yeah. It's memorable. Yeah. And, and in fact, that's, I guess, part of the marketing strategy. So uh, Seth Godin, like well-known marketer, he, uh, he wrote this famous book, The Purple Cow, which was all about uh, essentially telling people to be remarkable. Not remarkable in the sense that you have, you have to be exceptional, um, but remarkable in the sense that somebody will make a remark, you know, in that formal sense. And he, he also talks about... Um, if you you should be obsessive about what you do so you know and, and then you will attract other obsessives there are sort of japanese societies called ot otaku who are obsessive about all kinds of things they might be obsessive about sushi or they're obsessive about um you know hi-fi or whatever it is uh, but these obsessives are looking for the extreme they're looking for something new all the time so uh, so being remarkable and standing out is is, is really a key part of of marketing and I think with a lot of networking events, because ultimately that's what I built my business on, quite often there was more than one accountant in the room. And recently I've been to a networking event where I was there as the business pod, but there were there was an accountant on every single table. So if yeah. I was there promoting Beacon, I would have need to have done something different Absolutely. or say something different to actually stand out from the crowd. That's right, yeah. Otherwise yeah. we just all merge into one and you, you wouldn't stand out and people that, wouldn't yeah. remember who to come that's to, wouldn't they? That's absolutely right. I think networking is such an important marketing strategy for, for service-oriented uh, businesses, definitely. Certainly, I've used networking as part of my, my business or uh, promoting uh, the R&D tax credits business, but also, uh, the, also the innovation consultancy. 
and one of the strategies I use is, is a, a, a strategy I learned from a, another guy who ran a, uh, an innovation agency and he said his, his marketing essentially was having coffee with friends so he would just get on a plane and have a coffee with somebody and you know shoot the breeze and uh, and, and business came that yeah. way. And so it's to be yeah. said with that I did some coaching with um, a lady that is a funeral celebrant and did some coaching with her and one of the things was making that first impression and I suggested that she maybe take something in like biscuits or chocolate or something or ideally biscuits to pop in and say I just popped in to have a coffee and let you know yeah. about what I do because a lot of funeral directors don't particularly like using funeral celebrants yeah. they prefer using the churches and the vicars and things like that yeah. apparently and she really struggled with it but she pondered on what I'd suggested to her and she got some really nice packs of biscuits and she tied some turquoise ribbon, which was her branding colours, around it nice. with a little tag with her contact details on. Yeah. And it was really well received. And just for that initial introduction, and she sort of made a bit of a joke of it, I think, as she went in. And she, you know, sort of, I'm coming to bribe you with some biscuits. Yeah. But because it was so nicely presented, they could see she'd gone to the effort. It wasn't just popping in a pack of biscuits. You know, she'd yeah, gone yeah. that extra mile and she's very well presented herself. Yeah. And it all linked, the branding of what she does is all linked in. Yeah and it's that bespoke service which is what the funeral yeah. you know every funeral is different it's all bespoke and so it was really well received and it got her remembered by the funeral directors as oh that was the lady that popped in and it's turned into work and she's got um, a handful of really good clients I mean it hasn't worked with every single one I don't think but it has worked with some and that's all that she needed and she's now got a thriving uh, funeral celebrancy practice and so even though that didn't sit quite well with her at first she thought, oh, Kate might know what she's talking about. Let's have yeah. a go at this. And it was really well received. That's a brilliant story. Yeah. And there's a couple of lessons there, I think. In One is, well, if, if, uh, if a strategy is not really to your strength, then A, you can leave it to one side and maybe play, play to your strengths. If you're socially awkward, then networking might not be for you. But on the other hand, it, you know, just get out of that comfort zone a little bit and give it a go and see yeah. if it works. Uh, and often, if you find that things are working, it becomes less awkward, and you know you get good at it, and yeah, and then it's a, a, a viable strategy. So um, try everything, but uh, focus on your strengths. Definitely. Have you got anything else you want to add with things that you've done in your business? I think I think the main thing for me has has been around the face-to-face -face activities. So I set up a, a website initially fairly quickly. I, I used uh, one of the platforms, uh, Weebly, was able to get it up and running quickly. But my view of the website was simply that it's there as a business card uh, so people can check just to see if you look um, you know, you know, reasonably professional. Um, I don't know whether you'd agree with me, but if I've met somebody at networking, for example, and I might be interested in what they're doing, I do go and look at their website from the web address on the business card yeah. or sometimes if they haven't given me a web address you try and find them if you can't find them that puts me off doing business with them exactly it depends on what sector they're in should yeah. we say yeah exactly but it's I think it's expected nowadays yeah. that you have a website yeah, and yeah. it's quite odd if you don't yeah yeah you, you, I think you can't really get away with uh, having nothing and, and it ought to look it needs to look that it was made in the 21st century, I yeah. think that's also important. I think there's a lot of websites that still look like they're exactly. in the 1990s. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So it needs to look clean and tidy. I don't try. I don't sell from the website. It's just there as a, a kind of a business mm -hmm. card. Um, but it was important to get that done. Yeah. And actually, you advised me to do it, so I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> I, glad I did. Beyond that, I run seminars, talking about uh, the products and services. I'll 
offer taster sessions uh, with companies. I don't really do email campaigns, but maybe that's something that will come in future, depending again, going back to one of the seven Ps, the kind of products that I'm trying to develop. Have so, the taster sessions generated in further work for you? Th they have, but often not immediately. So, uh, and, and often not directly. So somebody has been to a taster session and then moved on to a different job in a different company and then uh, it's, it's come through, through, through that way. So yeah, it's a, so taster sessions have definitely, uh, it's so important for what, for what I do because it's very difficult to, to communicate what I do in, in a, a in single a website sentence or, a or on a website. Yeah. Yeah, so, so people need to have the experience. You know, when you're talking about innovation of, of, of going through the process it's of... It's a creative of, process. It is a creative process, purposes, yeah. And unless you go through the process, it's very difficult to appreciate what the process is. Yeah. Um, so, so taster sessions are, are, are pretty important. But in order to get to the taster, taster session, you need to build trust. So yeah. a lot of that is around communication or how, developing case studies, this kind of thing. And the other thing that um, I found is it's just keeping in touch sometimes, isn't it, with a phone yeah. call or popping in because... It, if a client says, or a potential client says no now, that doesn't necessarily mean no yeah. forever, does it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. I think on the R&D tax credit side, that again, it's it's about trust. So it's really much a, a people business. So people building need to up the they, no like and trust. Exactly, mm. building up the no like and trust. Um, that's so important for, for services. Fantastic. Yeah. So the only other thing that I'd like to add to today on marketing is you do need a marketing strategy, even if you don't think you do you do because otherwise marketing can run away with you and you can become a busy fool in all these areas doing all these campaigns if you don't measure and manage what you're doing and know what you're trying to set out to do it's just a disaster quite frankly so the first place is to look at the seven p's make some notes and put your marketing plan together around these areas and then what i'd actually suggest that you do is to create an annual marketing planner so if you're a business pod member you can download our marketing action planner from the website and what you need to do is think about each month the two or three things that you're going to do and try and do something different. So you might have, you might go to two or three networking events every month, month in, month out, that would be the same. But then maybe you might do a Facebook campaign one month or a Google AdWords campaign the next, or you might do an email campaign, or don't even forget about printed material. The amount of printed material we get is getting less and less, so actually sending something printed through the post might well make you stand out in comparison yeah. to your competitors. And we did have a, I think it was a graphic designer at one of our coffee clubs, and he did say the printing has gone up recently. In the last 12 months, he's done more printing campaigns than online campaigns and email campaigns because that's now becoming the niche. Yeah. You know, it's not the norm anymore, yeah. so therefore it stands out. So put your an annual marketing plan together and then make sure you measure and manage. So next to each of the things that you're doing, make a note of how much time it's spent, how much it's cost, and then make a note of, whether it's turned into money, you know, whether your investment has worked. So it's really important when you get a new client come on board, make sure you ask them what, how they know you. I mean, some of it you might know because you've met them at networking. Yeah, it's important to find out the source. And, and timing is also important in order to try and try and gauge what the sales cycle is for your, for your product, you know, from when you first read, reach out to when somebody actually buys from you. And the other point on that is when it comes to face-to-face -face network, you were just saying about the point touch points, it's I believe you need to have something like seven touch points before a customer will buy from you. Right. So you need to plan that into your marketing campaign. So especially if you're doing online stuff, it might be they come on as a follower on Twitter or Facebook, and somehow if you can get your email address or get them to sign up to a list, but then if you drip feed them content with promotions or products or 
the one thing you really need to do is add value. If you're doing email campaigns, you need to try not to sell on every single email. You need to just position yourself as the expert, especially in yep. a service-based business, yep. and give the value, 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 and then give a sales pitch at some point yep. further down the line. And probably I would suggest at the seventh touch point, yep. if it needs the seven touch points before you can convert it into a sale. Yeah. And measure and manage. You know, there's no wrong or right way with marketing. You have to test these things. What works for one business might not necessarily work for another. And you need to measure and manage and make sure that your marketing activities are actually working for you and ultimately staying true to your mission, vision, values and culture to make sure that you are creating that brand and branding that you wanted to do, that you set out to do in the first place. Great advice. So I think that's it for today. Bye from me. And bye from me. See you next time. You have been listening to the Business Show podcast. For more information, please visit businesspodcast.co.uk.